0: Hi, everyone. My name is Mark Graham, and welcome to SkewCast, the podcast that explores the who, what, why, and how of the promotional products industry. SkewCast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SkewCast is the official podcast of Common Skew. If you like what you hear, make sure to keep in touch by subscribing to the show on iTunes or at our blog community.com and skew.com. And with that, let's get to it. Today's episode is part of our SkewCon Chicago Speaker Series. This is where we track down our speakers who will be joining us at SkewCon in Chicago on July 12th. In these discussions, we'll get a sneak peek of what they'll be talking about and why their teachings are particularly important to staying ahead in the promotional products industry today. Our guest today is is Lon McGowan. Lon is the founder and CEO of iClick, as well as the founder of Alpine Modern, a lifestyle brand focused on the world's mountain communities. Lon is a classic entrepreneur, always restless and looking for a new challenge and opportunity. I first met Lon years ago at an industry event, and I was struck by his curiosity and extreme geekiness when it came to things outside the world of USB drives and pens. We are so fortunate to have Lon as a keynote speaker at SKUCon Chicago on July 12th. Today, we will have the opportunity to get to know Lon a bit better. Welcome, Lon. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, Mark. It's great to have me on. It's so great having you on. and I can't wait to, uh, to see you in Chicago. It's, uh, it, it's going to be a really special event. So thanks so much for lending us uh, some of your time and expertise. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the invitation. And uh, as we discussed a few weeks ago, I'm just also very excited about you know hearing the other speakers and all the topics that are happening there and excited to be a part of the conference. Yeah, awesome. Well, why don't we kick it off with, uh, with a question about creativity. So, uh, a key yeah. theme for SkewCon Chicago is how to use creativity in your business model. And iClick, of course, has famously used creativity to differentiate itself within a crowded market, that being the USB drive and pen market. Can you tell me how you've done that? Yeah, you know, I think that there's um, one of the things that we where we looked at uh, growing iClick was
1: um, obviously, you know, looking at different um, paths of creativity. And a lot of people think of creativity just in the sense of branding or in a sense of uh, just in a design and artistic sense um, or in a standard artistic sense. And, you know, when we first looked to grow iClick, um, we looked um, into the creativity of operational creativity and a lot of people don't. Think of operational creativity as adding value, but we saw that as an opportunity uh, to find kind of different paths to differentiate the company. Uh, in 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 that sense, uh, before we took on you know a lot of things that people see now, which is some of the the fun branding that we've done or some of the fun advertisements and things like that. But first, we started with the with the operational creativity, and we took a lot of the same process and approach of brainstorming and, and kind of thinking outside the box. Uh, within that as you would from some of the artistic creativity and part of that for us was really honing on on one aspect of the operations of the business to differentiate from competitors and what we did is we focused just simply on speed and we said how do we become faster in our operations we thought that was our key to winning orders converting um, and really just kind of winning over uh, distributors uh, to, to our side and and that's where we started. It was really an interesting approach, I feel like, this was probably 10 years ago, um, but working with the team, um, being creative uh, operationally, rather than trying to be creative branding-wise uh, at the very beginning. And I feel like that really took us, um, you know, six months to a year to kind of
0: figure that out and figure out what that message was. And once we did, um, that was the start of our growth. Right. And, but I'm curious, so you're 10 years ago, uh, you're, you're getting into this business. How did you know to focus on, uh, speed or creativity in your operations? I mean, you were a young entrepreneur at the time. Like, was there something that had inspired you in a previous business life that said that that was something that you had to do when you were starting this new business with iClick? It, well, no, only because
1: I hadn't had much of a previous business life before that. I was pretty young. And so the, it really was more inspired by the idea that when we looked at other suppliers or competitors that were out there, there was just questions. Like the question would keep coming up, why can't somebody provide a proof on a rush order? Uh, why is that? Why, 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 why doesn't that exist? Right. And, and, and it's still to this day, people, you know, a 24-hour rush order, you can't get a proof on it. And to me, there was no technological barriers to that. Right Um, and so we looked at that and said clearly, it's not an easy problem solved, um, but it was one that took creativity um to solve it, and it took a lot of kind of just thinking differently, not just doing things faster um as as a simple solution, and so for us, it was like rather than you know trying to market or design in a creative way out of the shoots, we had to kind of build a foundation on this like this new. Uh, new operational flow, and then from that, once we established that, then we were able to market and 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 sell that message. But it took us a little while to figure that out, and for us, it was just kind of this, you know, looking at things differently and and trying to trying to differentiate
0: on that first. Yeah, yeah, so interesting. So, Lon, creativity led you to launch a separate business outside the industry. I mean, of course, you still. Uh, or the CEO of iClick, which isn't the industry supplier, but you got into Alpine Modern, this, uh, as I said in the intro, this lifestyle brand for the world's mountain uh, uh, communities. What compelled you to start this second business? I think
1: that, you know, firstly, I have just have always had a passion for modern, clean, minimalist design uh, and as, as an aesthetic. And i uh, living now in Boulder, Colorado, which is a mountain town. Uh, after having moved from Seattle, um, I felt like there we were maybe five, ten years behind um, in some of the design trends and things that are happening in the coasts or in some of these different cities, but that a lot of people were ready. It's a very progressive town, and a lot of the mountain towns around the world are very progressive in their ideas, but not necessarily in their execution. And for me, being a serial entrepreneur, I like the challenge of, looking at a business model when being a lifestyle brand and kind of having these uh, design challenges from pure, very kind of like traditional creative challenges was interesting because it's not a B2B business like iClick is. And so um, I kind of wanted to take that challenge on and and, and push the bar for uh, other businesses and, and other brands that are serving kind of mountain communities and as, we haven't really discussed, but that the brand kind of has this, that kind of permeates into these three different um, areas of kind of inspiration or, or lifestyle being, we publish a magazine that's printed every quarter that ships all around the world. And so there's this kind of media component to it that requires kind of a very high level of creativity and design. We run uh, an actual physical retail store that sells curated goods. Uh, we also have an online uh portion of that that sells on the website and then thirdly we run a pay and we'll be doing more of those as well so we have this kind of physical experience of being able to serve people and that whole idea of design through service and design through through food is another extension of that and and the, all those challenges and those ideas and
0: kind of rolling it up into one thing and creating one brand out of that to me is just super interesting yeah, totally. And I mean, at first glance, you would say that the businesses are radically different and have nothing to do with one another. And to some extent, that's true. But knowing you as this customer service uh, operations creative guru, it's so evident to me looking on the outside that uh, all the great things that you've done to build this great foundation at iClick. Um, are there in spades at Alpine Modern in terms of your relationship with the customer, how it's designed forward. And at the end of the day, you know, you go into your cafe. Well, it's not like going into Starbucks. It's, you're, you're going into a completely different world that you have curated. And I think it's really, really interesting to, to have followed you as an entrepreneur for many, many years and how you've applied those principles. So it's, uh, it's, it's oh, very, very inspiring. Yeah, I think that one
1: of the things that kind of, I think the through line from all of the, the business, or at least, and this is my through line through design, is, is paring it down to the most important, right? Focusing on whether it's service, um, but telling a message simply, um, giving an experience simply, but doing it from, from the best possible approach. Yeah. And I think too many times, either folks are too, um, uh, too nervous maybe to make the decision on, on w- what is the right approach. So, therefore, they provide all approaches to all different customers to try to please everyone. Yeah. And um, and with iClick, you know, we just kind of – we really just simplified it. And especially 10 years ago when we were starting, we could have done a ton of different products. But focusing on USB drives allowed us to give – how can I have that freedom then? Say, so, okay, well, we have our product line. Now let's, let's work on the side that's really important, which is the service and that's the speed and all those things and really honing on that. And I think that's very true with Alpine Modern. So it's just kind of honing in on each one of those business models and being very
0: direct and very specific. Right. And you know, you know, it's so interesting. This just came, came to me that as I click, of course, you're a traditional supplier. So your, your customer is ultimately the distributor who then turns around and sells it to, to. Uh, the corporation it with alpine modern i mean to some extent you're living or you're walking a mile in the in the distributor shoes because you are selling to the end customer i mean of course you're not a traditional distributor in that you're decorating product but as a retail store you're interfacing with suppliers who are then selling to you as a wholesale distributor and then you have to then turn around and then offer that experience to to the um uh, to, to the end customer who walks in the door. Has that experience helped you understand the world of the distributor customer that you sell in a different way? It has actually. It's,
1: um, it's a world that I haven't, I haven't been, you know, privy to from, from this perspective. And, um, I think that the, the perspective has given me kind of two, two thoughts. One is that I think it did validate a lot of the, the points that we were trying to make as a supplier, uh, and really was our, our tenet of success was was simply, you know, make the distributor in that case this B two B make them look good, make it easy to do business with. Right. And I and from the perspective of where we are now and having, actually having to buy through folks not necessarily the promotional product business, but from other suppliers, it's amazing to me how difficult people make it to do business with you, mm. and 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 not. To a, not 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 that they're trying to, but that that's just not their focus. Right uh, is just hey let let's make it easy. Then mm-hmm. from walking in the shoes of a distributor and kind of the idea of selling kind of directly to consumer, boy, I mean I I I can't say that we have exactly the same experience as a distributor and selling again kind of even B two B in the direct approach. But there's so much more um, relationship effort ha- you having to to give to kind of that that. <laughs> So it's not so transactional based, right. whereas B2B is more transactional based. This is a lot more emotional based and a lot, there's a lot more kind of, a lot more love that needs to happen for, for more time for those relationships to build. Um, and I can see, you know, why relationships and, and why they yeah, add that end customer to distribute relationships can be very strong. At yep. the same time, also why they take a long time to build. Yeah. And um, and, and why you know they're at times you know from the supplier perspective sometimes, you know we may not really understand the, the gravity of perhaps a mistake or something that has caused the distributor maybe to not look good right, which is our tenants make them look good. Yeah. And to them, I mean, it's, it's that their whole livelihood is that relationship, and and they're really it's it's super important to them, and also from the perspective that they're they have. Uh, potentially less as a distributor than we have; they have kind of more eggs in the basket uh, in yeah. one basket than than, uh, than than we do, and we're kind of a little bit more diversified. And so it's been it's been really interesting to see that, and and I think it's been cool to have that perspective. And I think some of that's kind of translated back over to iClick, I think, and having that. So it's been great.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about the management structure at iClick. So you hired a president. To run iClick a few years ago, when you moved to Boulder and then set up this second business, and of course you're still CEO and still, uh, you know, primary shareholder at iClick. But I'm curious about that process of letting go. Can you tell me a little bit about about that process? I think it, um, yeah. You know, ever since
1: I started, it was always the goal. At least my goal for success was to make sure that I wasn't the linchpin to the success. Uh, me personally. Because I've witnessed too many times the small business um, uh, owners' fault, where they can't grow because they're, they're they're the hindrance of the growth. Because either they keep everything in their head, they're not willing to give up control. They don't think people can do it better than them, or whatever. And everyone has their own excuse, and everybody has their own, certainly their own limits to how far you know they're willing to kind of let the uh, let the kite out. But when I started it, I really tried to to build right from the beginning systems in place so that the, that it, I was building an organization rather than building just a platform for me to be successful within. And it took, you know, 10 years before I was able to then turn over that system to another person right. to be able to operate within that. Um, and that, I think, was not necessarily like that I had the plan all along that, hey, in 10 years, there's going to be somebody that can come in and run that. But that every hire I made from whether it was a sales director or a production manager or salespeople, you're always doing, you're constantly doing that in business. And but always having that perspective and having that um, those ideals uh, from the beginning makes it a heck of a lot easier when it feels like it's the right time to bring somebody. And whether again it's to you bring your sales manager in or a president, it's that same idea that you're kind of having to let some part of the operation go. Um, so that was from a very Specific, um, uh, I guess, example, but w- w- as I had um, had kind of considered throughout the way, the second thing was um, was establishing uh, very clear uh, and accepted um, uh, core values throughout the organization. Right. And so, one of the my anybody's biggest fear when you turn over like a really big chunk of control uh, is that somebody else comes in puts their own uh, you know, difficult thing or it puts their own uh, spin on the culture. And that is, uh, would be very detrimental to what we had already built at iClick. So I spent a lot of time working with, th- with our people and with the current group there uh, to build a set of core values that were then easily able to transfer over to, uh, to the president. And they were all willing to share that. And right. that was That made it a lot easier in the transition.
0: Yeah. Well, kudos to you. I mean, it's, it's, I think easier That's said it. than, I think it's easier said than done, but uh the hallmark really of of any successful entrepreneur is the ability to uh to delegate and to create an organization that's bigger than themselves because otherwise if you're trying to sell that yeah. business you're really just selling yourself which means that you've now got a job working for someone else so all right we yeah. we we've, we've been talking about all sorts of success and and great things that that, uh, that you've done but of course uh, no story of a true entrepreneur would be complete without epic uh challenge and failure uh, so, so I I always love asking this question. So I, I'm curious if you can tell me about your biggest failure to date as an entrepreneur, and what you learned from the experience.
1: Um, I would say probably the best example, um, and I've had others, but I think really, and even something that's more current and relevant to the industry, um, has been iClick Decorate, right? And it's something that most people and listeners would be um, familiar with which was the program we started, I want to say it was probably two and a half, three years ago um, to, as we said, revolutionize the way people screen print and contract decorate. And it, you know, we ended up uh, closing the doors on that at the end of last year. Um, as after it just over those years and a lot of resources and a lot of energy went into it, it just never gained the traction that it needed to, um, to be successful. And, and, um I the takeaway I mean, there's a specific takeaway for the industry, which and I probably preached this even before we did it, but still thinking that we could accomplish it was that it's very difficult to change behavior um, in, in in specifically the promotional product industry when it's a really big piece like the way folks decorate and um, and I think that what we underestimated was. What was going to, it had to be more compelling than the offering we were making. Right. And I don't have the solution for what that was. Um, But we weren't, we did not have a compelling enough offering to get somebody to change their behavior. I think that is true for, for, you know, any business, you know, anytime you're starting something or a division or you're reinventing, you are asking somebody to change their behavior. Shop over here. Use me. Do this go here, you're, you're changing behavior. And if did you ask somebody to change behavior, and there's, and there's different levels of how difficult that is for somebody to do. You have to give them a compelling reason to do so. Right. And gauging how compelling that needs to be is kind of the hardest part. And that kind of dictates your business model. And then you can say whether or not, you know, it's it's going to be successful. I mean, clearly if we said um, the same offering, but it's going to be 80% of what you're currently paying, we would have had people lined up the door. Um, but financially that wouldn't have worked. And if we knew that was the only reason that people would have moved over, it, we would never have started it because it wouldn't have been profitable. Right. I'm not saying that was the solution, but we weren't able to come up with a compelling enough reason to change the masses over to, to make that leap. And and so I think that's what we learned.
0: Yeah. It, it. I mean, thank you for sharing that. I mean, it's no fun, I think, as a as an entrepreneur to, to dwell on things that don't work. But I, what I think is... An interesting lesson and I've, I've certainly had my share of, of, um, challenges in the past in my, in my two companies. But what, what's great about, I think what you did, Lon, is that you, you launched it, uh, found that you were struggling or, uh, it wasn't hitting what, what goals you had initially set out. And as opposed to sticking it out and, and throwing bad money after a bad business, um, you decided to cut your losses and move on. And that's super hard as an entrepreneur. And I know that we're hardwired to yeah. not give up and, you know, giving up equals failure. And, and I don't know if I necessarily believe that. I think that sometimes the most successful entrepreneurs, the ones that are able to cut their losses, learn from it and then go and double down in the business that's actually working for them. Um, so, yeah. and I think th- the most cool. successful ones are the ones, and I think I, I wouldn't
1: say that we, we probably held on too long, but the most successful ones are the ones that figure it out soonest. So it's the, the whole key is, is trying. It's just, it's experimentation. And, and, and obviously the longer you experiment, the longer you burn cash to experiment. Yeah. Yeah. And so the quicker you can recognize the patterns and understand that that's not an either pivot quickly and then recognize that, that pivot either worked or didn't work. Yep. Or at some point you pivoted so many times you say, you know what, that we're just we're pushing against the wrong thing here. Whatever yep. this is isn't working, and then you cut your losses and move to the next one. And yep. that that is business. And uh, so yeah, I I fully agree with you. And there really isn't a roadmap for or a blueprint for how to do that. The only blueprint is just it's it it it's to know we, that folks
0: do go through those yep. uh, and those failures and just realize it sooner than later. Yeah, so fascinating. Well, excited to get more into that specific theme at uh, at your talk sure. at, at Skewcon. So, uh, just just one more question for you here, Lon. Uh, what advice would you have for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry that are stuck but want to reinvent themselves? What first step should they take on that path to changing and reinventing themselves and their businesses? That's a great question. I think that when I've had folks
1: maybe reach out to me about, you know, and then it's a new venture or they're, they're going to kind of go on, like a pivot, if you will, in some way for themselves or for their business. It generally uh, is because what they're doing, it doesn't, um, isn't a full example of themselves. Right. And I think that the most important thing is to recognize what is the, the truest embodiment That is, you know, the most honest embodiment that you can have for whatever your passion, whatever it is that you then, you know, want to go out and tell the world about. And so if it's, you know, if you're, if, if, if you want to reinvent and and it's something that, you know, gosh, you just really always had a passion for providing the best customer service or you really always love when that happens, go down that path and that, that that should be because it really needs to come from your heart for even if it's business. And I think that establishing that and understanding that, that this is this is me and the business is me and doing that then you will succeed if you can focus on that um, and too many times I think people are trying to reinvent themselves in a in a in a way because they saw somebody else do it and it was successful they read about somebody doing it and they were like oh well I, I you know I want to be like apple so I'm gonna you know, design my website like that. Well, is that really you or is right. that Apple? Right. And I think that that happens a lot with people. And so
0: really just kind of being honest with yourself about what you can own. Yeah. And uh, is, is the best way to approach that. Yeah. Wow. What a great answer. Well, Lon, I, I could sit here and ask you uh, questions all day, but, uh, but, but that of course would eat into your time at SkewCon. But, <laughs> but thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh, for those that are listening, uh, what the, and don't know what SkewCon's all about, it's our uh, biannual user conference. It's going to be held at the Virgin Hotel on July 12th. Uh, the website is commonskew.com slash skewcon. And Lawn will be one of our three keynote speakers who will be uh, inspiring and challenging us uh, throughout the day. So it's going to be amazing. So thanks so much, Lawn. This was so fun. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SkewCast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SkewCast on iTunes or to our blog at community.com. Dot commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening.